Dr. Vanessa Sinclair, and this is Rendering Unconscious. Today's guest is Jacob Johansson, whose research is influenced by media and communication studies, psychoanalysis, psychosocial studies, and critical theory. His work uses psychoanalysis to think critically about contemporary digital culture. I think it's really interesting that you know this this title that you have re- rendering unconscious. So so it's like it's like kind of this it's like this idea of 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 like a, almost like a like a sort of psychoanalytic session, isn't it? That you are kind of um, that, that we are sort of um, in in a sort of more free flowing kind of free associative associative way of talking, sort exactly. of our unconscious. We'll we'll sort of come to come come up or sort of will will be rendered conscious in in a way yeah yeah exactly this the unconscious always knows best yeah 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 right yeah um my interest in 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 the unconscious is is kind of related to what is the kind of relationship between the unconscious and technology or kind of in particular sort of digital technology, media technology, um, all these kind of, you know, different devices, different platforms, content and so on that, that, that we are kind of surrounded by, that we sort of engage on such sort of deep levels. There must be um, quite a kind of, connection or, or, or like a strong influence on our unconscious. I think if, if, if I was kind of, I think that's kind of the starting point for me, sort of for my, um, my interest in kind of psychoanalysis in, in my work that, that, that I do is sort of trying to think of what is the relationship between the unconscious, between consciousness and the digital, the kind of contemporary digital moment and that's a huge and important topic <laughs> yeah yeah i guess i guess so i mean i i think i've also sort of my i mean this is something i kind of need to, need to stress i think because often when i sort of go to conferences or when i sort of present my work i get this question like are you a psychoanalyst you know how can you how can you talk about these things are you a psychoanalyst and and, and I'm, I'm not um um but but my my kind of my kind of background is sort of in sort of media studies communication studies and pretty sort of pretty soon when I was an under undergraduate I kind of thought there is there is sort of too much emphasis on kind of rationality or the kind of rational human being sort of particularly in kind of empirical kind of studies that are sort of looking into, you know, how we use the media or um, how we engage with different media as audiences and so on. Very, very often the kind of this idea of the human, of like a complex idea of the human would just be kind of taken for granted. And, and sort of that's how I sort of started to become interested in psychoanalysis. Because for me, you know, psychoanalysis is, 
is sort of the best way of explaining or, or kind of um, conceptualizing a complex kind of idea of you know what does it what does it mean to be to be human today? Yeah. Yeah, and I think it's really important for a psychoanalysis to be out, applied outside of the field of psychoanalysis itself because it's always, to mm. me, very relevant. Like you can see these sort of themes playing themselves throughout different fields of society, culture. Mm. And, of mm. course, digital mm. and technology is so important nowadays. Mm. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and in a way, I mean, in, uh, in a way... I think this is this is quite interesting because in a way how I see it looking at kind of clinical psychoanalysis it te- I mean it tends to be maybe a bit kind of closed off or people you know as you have sort of psychoanalysts they, they sort of try and keep keep to themselves a bit more and then you have all these different kind of camps and so on um so I think what you were doing for example you know with the with the podcast is really is really great to to kind of open open things up a bit and and in a way this is how, also, this is how Freud started, you know, when he uh, thinks like, you know, sort of thinking about culture and, and things like civilization and its discontents and so on. There was always this this moment of culture sort of actually being part of clinical psychoanalysis as well. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Mm. Mm. So is this what your book is about? Yeah, in, uh, in, um, in a way, in a way, yeah. I mean, my 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 book, which uh, came out late late last year, uh, psychoanalysis and digital culture, um, is sort of like a sort of like a collection of different kind of case studies or different sort of um, projects where I've done research um, that kind of used or that kind of drew on. Uh, psychoanalysis, sort of both, um, all, all kind of in relation to, to kind of the media, to kind of different digital media and, and so on. And, and, and both kind of from a kind of theoretical perspective where I'm interested in kind of, okay, you know, psychoanalysis as a, as a theory, but also from a kind of methodological perspective where I was using uh, psychoanalysis as a method to sort of... Um, engage in, in a sort of rendering unconscious activity in a way to kind of try and um, through this idea of sort of free association, which, you know, comes out of the consulting room, um, to use that as a sort of interview method to talk, to actually kind of get people to talk about their different ways of using media of like um, watching reality television, for example, like I have some chapters that look at like a particular uh, British reality television program, which is called Embarrassing Bodies, uh, um, and and where I kind of wanted to find out how are uh, people as audiences, how are people as viewers, kind of unconsciously, but also kind of consciously, sort of invested in in that program, in their kind of viewing of of that program. Yeah. What are your thoughts about that title? <laughs> the, the, I mean the the. Um, that 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 show. I mean, I wouldn't. I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily recommend to. Well, you can. You know, you can watch it maybe after you've had your. Don't watch it. You know, during your during dinner or anything. You know, um, because it's like a very very graphic, typical kind of reality television program, which is sort of about medicine. So it's it's about um, patients coming on the show, 
and they are being diagnosed uh, and treated as well by doctors on the program. And they, yeah, it's, as the title kind of suggests, it's sort of about that they have sort of embarrassing um, bodily conditions, very often about kind of um, um, genitalia or, or things that, you know, where they're kind of saying they're too embarrassed to even go to their normal doctor with it. And then they, but then yet they, they go on television and right. show it to the nation. Uh, and I was, I was absolutely fascinated by that um, uh, because it's so graphic where you, or at least I think many people, they would, you know, they would kind of get this uh, reaction where they're really fascinated by it, but they also sort of can't, you know, they have to cover their eyes, can't watch it because it's, it's just too much. So, so um, um, that 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 was sort of that, that that was sort of my interest, and 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 talking to the so I did some very very kind of detailed interviews with some uh, viewers, um, and what was really interesting about them was that they actually didn't really kind of watch it because they want to be like entertained by it, or they want to kind of um, you know it's a sort of freak show program where they kind of just want to laugh at others but actually um they they all i mean we all do i mean they all kind of related to the to the program on on kind of very sort of affective and also kind of unconscious levels where i kind of made the argument in the book that they almost kind of use the program as a sort of way of working through sort of unconsciously working through their own bodies their own kind of bodily experiences their own Trauma, some trauma they had had, or kind of um, their own embarrassed, you know, sort of their own embarrassing bodies, um, where the program actually sort of facilitated, was like a facilitator to them um, that allowed them sort of to 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 engage um, with their, you know, with their bodies, but more more sort of on an, on, on an unconscious level. Yeah, that makes sense. Be, because um, what was also, what was really interesting, which kind of came up a lot in the interviews, they they all they kind of talked about their bodies and sort of experiences they had had and so on, but they didn't make any connection between you know their kind of biography, their their, their kind of lived experience and this show. And I didn't, I mean, I didn't kind of ask about it. I didn't, I didn't kind of probe, uh, uh, sort of. I didn't sort of ask them if, if um, maybe they, you know, they were watching it because of particular experiences they had had. But but it was pretty clear that um, they kind of use it, used it as 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 an as a kind of way of sort of unconsciously um, engaging with their own bodies. And 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 what what's really significant about the program is that it's, you know, again, it's like reality TV. It's always about healing you know it's always about kind of showing the viewer there is like a solution for everything the the patients get really really good treatment they're always helped everyone's kind of happy at the end and of course that's not how that's not how the real life works uh, often particularly with medicine and so on and and um so 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 the 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 in that sense the program offered kind of um you know, what psychoanalysis, what, what kind of some psychoanalysts would call kind of containment, you know, a kind of very secure, a very kind of sort of holding environment for for people where they are almost kind of um, 
where they are kind of enwrapped in, in a sort of secure kind of kind of holding uh, uh, that is sort of facilitated by the program. Yeah, and allows them to like work through certain things, like you said, and feel certain emotions. Um, but it's mm. like safer because it's like through through the other, through watching the others. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean that 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 that's right. And and at the same time, and I was kind of sort of stru- sort of struggling to make sense of that. You know, of course the you know they, they, the the viewers they always see you know every week or whenever they they see these kind of perfect relationships where where things are always fine and and they are, the patients are always helped and so on. But of course this doesn't translate into anything and this doesn't it doesn't necessarily um result in their own bodies being fixed or or, you know they're 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 being sort of helped and yet they can they you know they they kind of watch it again and again and again um but then what's the you know what's what's sort of what's the outcome uh of this and it's and it's almost like a sort of um like a sort of acting out like they're acting out uh their bodies, their kind of uh, conflicts and so on uh, um, through this engagement with the show. But then, um, you know, there is no real containment. You know, that's sort of the difference. There is this, probably they have this desire for containment, but there is always something that's kind of lacking, you know, where where they, they may have a kind of momentarily sense of kind of containment or relief when they watch these scenes but then, um, you know, it's never, it, it, it's, it, it, there's never any real kind of healing going on, which I thought this, you know, we, we, this is very interesting because it, it relates to kind of all sorts of other phenomena where, you know, how do we as, how do we as humans relate to, or what's the relationship between, you know, all these virtual kind of things that are going on that are, in a way, not kind of material, they're not tangible. And then us as kind of, at the end of the day, you know, fleshy bodies, real subjects uh, uh, who, who are in, engaging with kind of all these kind of things that are just represented uh, in front of us. And I don't know. I mean, I, I, I don't know. You know, I think that it's really important also to, as someone who's interested in psychoanalysis, to kind of say, okay, the, the the, the 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 knowledge has kind of a limit there. I, I don't know. I, I don't know what the final kind of answer is to that. And I just um I just kind of need to acknowledge that there is a kind of limit to my understanding or to my kind of analysis as a researcher. Well and it's all so new too. So it's like I don't think anybody does know yet. You know, people can theorize mm. what they think if they think it's useful, they think it's not useful or both mm-hmm. but really we haven't really seen it all play out yet in certain mm-hmm. ways it mm-hmm. seems to have been useful but in certain ways it seems to have a real effect on the world around us that's not stu- <laughs> super useful so <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll see yeah 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 <laughs> mm. how did you first come in contact with psychoanalysis um Oh, that's, 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 yeah, that's a good question. So actually through, which I think is probably the first kind of, um, <laughs> the first sort of drug for a lot of people through Zizek, you know, through, through Slava Zizek, through, I think actually I was, I remember I was watching, you know, there was like a documentary, I think that's sort of, a, that was, 
in the early 2000s, I think that that came out um, where where I think it's by Astra Taylor who made a documentary about him. So so that was the first time I saw you know um, somebody who was kind of uh, you know very kind of eloquently using psychoanalysis in in kind of combination with you know popular culture and all these funny jokes and and all these examples and so on. So so. Um, I get. I, I had always had an interest in psychoanalysis, but that kind of really got me hooked and showed the kind of potentials of, um, I think, you know, psychoanalysis beyond the clinic. I mean, I think that, I mean, you know, Zizek is very controversial. I think there's some some kind of problematic aspects of his of his work, and I'm, I'm certainly not a Lacanian, but um, this really opened up kind of this perspective from where we're actually wow, you know, this is this is what you can actually do with with psychoanalysis uh, beyond the the consulting room. No, I, that's something I really appreciate about him. I might not agree with everything he says mm. and and all the ways he uh, espouses the theory, but I think it's amazing mm. that he's had such a huge reach and really gotten it out into yeah. out of academia and into popular culture by using popular culture. I really really appreciate mm. that about his work. Because mm. mm. yeah, yeah, I've yeah. met so many people that came to psychoanalysis through through him and that's great yeah that aren't psychoanalysts you know yeah 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 Mm, mm, yeah you were using like containing and holding environment do you like winnicott um i mean um so so where so so i'm 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 based in the uk i live live in london so there is a very very strong you know object relations i mean it's a british British tradition, you know, this is very, very strong. I did my um, PhD at uh, the University of East London in a um, department, or the, that in particular institution is quite famous for a sort of particular um, field that's called psychosocial studies, which is sort of about combining um, psychoanalysis, different psychoanalytic approaches with sort of sociology media studies, cultural studies, and other, other kind of disciplines. And my supervisors, they were all kind of sort of object relations, um, or they're all kind of interested in, in object relations or using it in their in their work. Um, and I, I mean, I, I, um, I am also very interested in Winnicott. I'm not kind of using uh, uh, Winnicott in my work so much because I think in a way... Um, Winnicott is very, it's a bit too kind, you know, it's a bit too uh, sort of positive, you know, positive. It's a bit too kind of holding and playing and, you know, beautiful and it's a bit too benign, too kind of nice, you know, for psychoanalysis. I think psychoanalysis is about, it should also be more about the, you know, the dirty, the messy, the kind of destructive things. And I think, maybe that's not so apparent in Winnicott's work. Um, so my, uh, in, in terms of my kind of um, interest, the, the two kind of psychoanalysts that I've used most in my work is Freud. I mean, I would kind of say my, my primary, primary, I'm interested in Freud. Um, but then how, what I kind of do in the book is I um, take kind of Freud as a, as a starting point, in particular how... Freud. I'm, I'm, I'm sort of particularly interested in how uh, Freud developed like a um, 
particular theory of affect. So, so affect, uh, in, in a way, um, you know, it's like a sort of, like a kind of quite a big field in academia, which is kind of about thinking about the bodily kind of relationships, the, bo- the bodily kind of relationalities between, you know, human bodies, non-humans, um, different objects, and how, I mean, on a, on a kind of, to put it very crudely, how kind of um, we are affecting, you know, others, and we are also kind of affected on kind of bodily levels by by others, whether that's humans, whether that's technology, whether that's uh, animals, you know, whatever. Um, and the, the, those kind of form particular kind of relationships. Often these the scholars kind of in this area, they kind of use Deleuze and obviously how Deleuze, you know, was kind of quite, critical of of psychoanalysis in a way um but what i'm kind of interested in also in the book is to sort of develop a psychoanalytic kind of uh theory of affect which sort of begins with freud um where freud he kind of allows us to think about sort of our sort of bodily responses to you know a program like embarrassing bodies or kind of how we are sort of um bodily sort of involved in or, 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 or with kind of um, digital technology today. So for Freud, kind of what he or what we could call kind of an affective sort of experience for him means a sort of um, that I'm sort of undergoing, that I'm sort of uh, um, feeling uh, a particular way as, as a sort of response to, you know, I don't know, a, a scene on, on television that I, that I watch, for example, where suddenly um, uh, I, I, I feel sort of a sort of bodily dispossession. So there is a very beautiful quote by um, the psychoanalyst Ruth Stein, who says that um, in, in a sort of affective experience, my body becomes its own speaker. Um, and I'm not necessarily sort of aware or I don't really understand, you know, what's going on in that moment. I just feel it. And then afterwards I can try and sort of make sense, uh, make sense of that and try to kind of uh, talk about it, try to kind of actually sort of find the words, you know, to sort of describe what just happened. And of course, there's also this relates to kind of to the clinic, um, also kind of quite fundamentally in terms of, um, you know, like this, you know, the symptom or, or uh, um, particular bodily, you know, if, if, if we are kind of acting out particular symptoms or things on a bodily level, you know, these, these kind of, this sort of can be, can be um, explained with affect for, for, for Freud. But, but then um, for Freud is, is the affect, this is a very much kind of like a subjective sort of individual experience. And, and, and going back to your question sort of about object relations or a more kind of relational perspective what I what I then um, um, wanted to do or what I then found uh, is this um, French uh, French psychoanalyst called uh, Didier Anzieux who I think is not I'm not sure if he's sort of too well known I think he's now being more kind of rediscovered that last or oh no, 2016 his He's got basically a famous book, which is called The Skin Ego, which came out as a new translation uh, by Naomi Siegel, um, which was released in 2016. So I think now he's, there's more interest in, in him. And actually also some 
thinkers who kind of um, think about technology are also drawing on on Anzio, uh, like Mark Mark B. Han, B. N. Hansen or Patricia Ticinetto Cloth. They're kind of also interested in Anzio, and because and, and Anzio is really really interesting because he kind of he was influenced by by a number of, of, of psychoanalysts, but he's also kind of really influenced by Freud and, and kind of Freud's idea of the of that the ego is like a is like a sort of protect you know it's like a sort of protective um, surface which is like a, like a kind of a surface entity projection of a surface and so on and he kind of takes these ideas and develops them um, into what he calls skin ego so so the skin ego is like um, as the as the baby is in you know early kind of contact sort of physical contact with with those around her you know mother father primary kind of care givers and so on um, this skin ego is established so so the skin ego is like a relational and uh, sort of envelope a relational kind of wrapping that is essentially about kind of containing where the baby through kind of being touched through being held you know a lot of kind of you know um, sort of contacts are phys- you know physical um, through being touched held rocked but also kind of uh, talked to and so on this skin ego kind of forms um, which is sort of established as a relationship between you know the baby and kind of those around her and and what is really interesting in this model is that Anzu kind of says um, this is the kind of foundation for the ego to develop so so through this kind of skin ego the baby as the baby you know matures and and and, and then uh, becomes a toddler and, and so on and, and um the ego starts to form um and and so this is very much kind of also kind of car- characterized by affect by by sort of not just language and and certainly you know not not kind of vision you know if we think about the lacanian kind of theory of of kind of subjectivity or how we come to be subject is primarily through you know mirror stage and through vision how we kind of come to see ourselves in the mirror or through others and and, and arrive at this kind of sense of of a coherent ego um which is always you know an illusion through vision but but for Anzu, it's much more through kind of essential kind of uh, the senses um and touch in particular and and through kind of being touched and also touching, touching others, of course, the baby, um, this kind of skin ego emerges. And, and Onzur kind of says that this is actually um, sort of material and, and sort of virtue at the same time. So it's, it's grounded in real experience because it's actually, you know, baby is touched and all of that is, is actually happening. But there is a kind of fantasy aspect to it because the baby then develops the illusion, the fantasy that she is actually sharing the same skin with, you know, primarily the mother or whoever is kind of, you know, the primary carer, that they're actually sharing the same skin and that they are part of this sort of skin ego, this kind of relational um, symbiosis, uh, really, which is then eventually, you know, discarded, which is eventually kind of separated. Um. And I thought this is when I thought this is an amazing idea, an amazing model to think about all sorts of um, relate relationships, all sorts of ways of how 
uh, we as, as, as humans, we as subjects are so kind of deeply embedded, are so kind of deeply intertwined, you know, with technology today. Yeah, and while you're talking, it was making me think, well, first of all, that's really in line with Freud saying, like, first, we're, we're a body ego, like our first experience yeah, yeah, is through the yeah, body, and, yeah. and the ego develops from the body. That's so right in line. Yeah, yeah. But also, um, a few people I've spoken to recently seem to be really concerned with the body and where the body is. And I'm wondering if maybe this relationship to technology and how we are always in the digital sphere all of the time or relating to it is kind of making people turn back towards the body. Cause it seems like historically mm. for so long, we've been trying to get out of the body and like with religion, we're trying to transcend ourselves and like be something else or go somewhere else or look towards somewhere else. And it seems like maybe now with technology and having this kind of digital reality around us all the time, now we're starting to go, more into our bodies or want to make a return to the body more. Mm, mm. Yeah, I mean, I th yeah, I think that's, that's really interesting. Do you mean like people you've spoke, do you, do you think they are kind of, they are talking about this on a kind of, um, on, on a kind of intellectual level? You know, yeah, I mean, specifically of, uh, even with the podcast, like the last two or three people mm -hmm. I've spoken to have been thinking about the body more, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think absolutely because maybe, and I mean, as you say, maybe that's also because there is such a kind of um, split, I mean, almost a split, you know, between everything um, becoming virtual or everything also becoming um, kind of automated and, and where, you know, we are not only kind of in such kind of close proximity with, with technology um, where we, you know, as we traditionally were, you know, I don't know, a couple of decades ago when we, I don't know, you know, what, watch uh, television uh, and so on, where which is also a very kind of clear sort of bodily relationship that can be very... Um, sort of symbiotic but but now what, what, what's what's happening i think and maybe that's why we are looking at the body more is we are we are still kind of um you know human beings with a body and i mean that will always be be the case but then we are confronted with so much virt virtuality where we are not only um sort of turning our own you know bodies into representations on online and on social media and, and uh, on different devices and so on. But, but, but actually, um, there are these responses now, these kind of automated responses to our bodies where, you know, we are tracked, for example, or we are kind of under surveillance or we, uh, however, we kind of represent ourselves online um, is, you know, turned into kind of um, big data and, and our data are kind of used for all sorts of purposes and, and uh, 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 mind and kind of merged with other data and, and new kind of profiles are, are created and, and so on. And all these things are happening on a kind of virtual level. Um, and, and this all is also really something I'm kind of thinking about because the question is, yeah, what, where is the, where, where's the human body in this? Where is the kind of, um, 
body as psychoanalysis thinks thinks about the body and and what does that do to our un unconscious really on on a fundamental level if if we are so kind of there are all these kind of implicit um technologies around us that uh you know do kind of do kind of things um to to us that kind of do things with our sort of um sort of sub sort of expression uh, online or with a kind of our sort of sense of subjectivity, how, how we may kind of um, present it online. Um, and, and, and then all these kind of things are happening, even if I'm using like a, like a Fitbit or like a, like a tracker that tracks my steps when I'm uh, running or, or whatever. Um, there are, you know, there are kind of processes uh, computational processes going on there um, with my data that I that I don't understand that I that I can't actually comprehend because you know most people lack the kind of knowledge and also these kind of um, companies or these kind of uh, devices and so on they don't want us to uh, understand uh, what is really going on um, so then I'm kind of really wondering what does this constant environment of sensing of of um, um, sort of responding to us in automated ways what does that do to our body what does that do to, to our bodies and, and, and to our unconscious yeah it's been on my mind more too as ever since what's it called the GDPR or I don't remember but mm. since they now like every time you sign into a website you have to agree to have the cookies and agree mm. to have your data sent here in, in Europe at least I don't think I don't think it's like that in the states when I was last there but um mm. Yeah, so it's making me very aware that I'm constantly agreeing to like have my information yeah, yeah. sent. But it's like, what are you going to do? Say no and then yeah. not do what you wanted to do? You know, it's like, mm, mm, mm. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, it's, yeah, yeah, it's eerie. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 what is I think what is also then really interesting in this in relation to that. And I listened to the podcast you know one of your podcasts with oh i've forgotten his name now um a, a i think it's a phd student or a scholar who is kind of interested in this idea of machine consciousness and Damien so on Patrick from the States. yeah yeah right yeah and and i think you know this is so fascinating and i mean a number of of, of people are kind of thinking about these questions that you know in relation to things like artificial intelligence and so on Will there be actually a time when, you know, there is there will be such a thing as machine consciousness, and 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 that actually um, uh, machines or kind of technology will be able to think? Um, I I don't know. I mean, I'm a bit skeptical of of that. I'm a bit critical of that as well because I I don't know if that is ever really going to be the case. I mean, there are like some scholars who are sort of already making those arguments that like algorithms, for example, or kind of computational technology is able of, is it, they are able to, uh, or are capable of cognition and, and of sort of processing and uh, uh, things and meaning making and ultimately thinking and, and so on. But I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm not so sure. I mean, right, but they do, kind of, do they have an unconscious? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. That's that's the that's the question because 
do you think about these things purely from a kind of consciousness perspective? May, okay, maybe at some point there will be like a robot, you know, that will be, uh, yeah, will be able to read my my emotional state or will be able to kind of cheer me up when I'm when I look depressed or whatever. But then that's precisely the point, I think. Yeah, does this robot or this this device, does it have an unconscious? No, no. Is it, has it been traumatized by, uh, by some experience? No. Uh, yeah, it doesn't so, so have I think traumatized ancestors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It didn't have any kind of family conflicts when it was uh, constructed in a factory or something. <laughs> um, so I think that's 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 where uh, maybe this perspective kind of reaches its limits. And again, it shows us how psychoanalysis is really important as a kind of as a kind of theory of subjectivity or as, as a kind of understanding of the human, because the unconscious is so fundamental here. Yeah, now I'm going to have to ask Damien what he thinks about that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, follow up. In a future episode. (laughs) (laughs) What do you think about the difference between when, like, digital media and technology was more, like, one-directional, where, like, we were watching television or that sort of thing, and now that it's more of an interface where, like you said, like, we interact with it and it, like, also with the algorithms feeds back and changes how it's acting depending on how we're acting or interacting more directly with other people online. Yeah. I mean, um, um, this, I think this is, this is, or this is something that is kind of very, um, positive and, and very kind of negative at the same time. I mean, not, not so much focusing on, Okay, we, we you know with the internet and so on, we are now able to, yeah, to communicate with loads of different people. We are able to have a, have a podcast, uh, you know, like this one and so on. I think I mean that those things are all fantastic, and and really important for for I mean they you know they they can also contribute to people's uh, um, mental health and and that people feel maybe more accepted in an online community than they might feel in. in the local town or whatever, um, you know, these kind of common narratives of, of social media, the internet as, as kind of enabling communication and recognition and so on. I think that's that's all very true and that's all uh, very important. But at the same time, we need to understand, we need to keep in mind that in particular at present, how a lot, you know, a lot of those kind of platforms that we engage with, that we use online, Facebook, Twitter, uh, and so on, they are all uh, businesses. They, are, you know, they all have a business model, um, and those companies are not. They're not interested in communication. They're not interested in, even though you know, Facebook and, and so is all about this kind of idea of community, this idea of enabling communities and so on. But that's actually not what these companies are interested in. They're interested in um, having a large number of users so that they can, um, um, you know, use part of our data for targeted advertising, for example. So, so um, I have a colleague here at um, Westminster, my colleague Christian Fuchs, he always says Facebook is not, you know, it's not a social uh, media platform, it's the world's uh, biggest advertising agency. And, and I think that's true. So, that, you know, this kind of underlying 
business model. And then it's also related to things like surveillance and so on, all these things we now know about. Um, um, this is this is this kind of element is is really fundamental to to the the sort of contemporary internet. Uh, and I I also kind of discuss this in my book where I have a chapter on on big data and all these kind of um, phenomena in relation to to big data and sort of what happens to our data and so on. And I kind of um, argue that these processes sort of what how we sort of represent ourselves online, how we actually engage with these platforms, how these platforms um, work, how their kind of um, how their interfaces work, how they are built, um, and then what happens to our data at the same time. This is like a process that we can think about in terms of what I uh, call disindividualizing. So, so, and and it's both at the same time. So, so it's highly individualizing how um you know social media how 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 a lot of kind of platforms work today where um i as the individual subject am sort of i'm sort of being uh, uh sort of approached or, or or sort of constantly i'm being addressed as an individual and this is actually maybe this is good, can be a really good thing because it's sort of um, telling me that you know I'm really valued as, as an individual subject. I'm really important for Facebook or for for Twitter, and I'm part of that community. And the very kind of interface features are all about my individual kind of um, self-representation. So you know, Facebook. I mean, the basics is that it asks you know what's on your mind. You know, they they want me to kind of. Uh, uh, express you know my my deepest kind of uh, desires and so on um and and then um and this relates to 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 big data and, and, and algorithms and so on through those technologies they enable this kind of individual experiences individual kind of user experience in the first place so if if there were you know if there weren't uh, like algorithms or if my data wouldn't be kind of um, sort of taken and um, automatically um, sort of be analyzed or used or merged with other data and so on. If those things wouldn't happen, the, the platforms would be a lot less kind of individual or a lot less kind of individualizing. So, so these things sort of depend on each other. So it's, it's a very individualizing user experience, which is actually what I would say makes these platforms so successful and has us so hooked on them because we are always kind of encouraged to come back to, to, to post something again because then more people will engage, uh, more people will like something, uh, will share it uh, uh, and so on. And this is like a, this is like a very fundamental um, form of recognition that, that we are sort of being, being offered. Um, and and also, I think this is really interesting that, in particular, on Facebook, sometimes you know you get these automated messages from Facebook itself that tell you like, oh, this year uh, you 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 made two hundred new friends, or, or this year um, your posts have been liked, I don't know, a thousand times or something. So the platform itself is actually kind of showing you how much you know how how much you are valued uh, and how they value you, and of course they value you in economic. In economic terms, but of course, you know that, that that's not something they would say. So this is kind of about in, an individualizing 
aspect. That's why um, the con kind of contemporary technologies are so successful, I think. And at the same time, what happens beneath that and what happens in parallel to that is that they are very, very disindividualizing. So that however we may um, kind of present ourselves, however we may kind of um, engage with these platforms on an individual level, our data then are sort of, you know, taken, um, they are sort of used for targeted advertising or, for example, Google, you know, constructs like a kind of profile of who Google thinks I am. You know, if I'm, I mean, it's quite limited, but still I think this is quite telling, you know, if I'm male or female and if I'm sort of in a, in a particular age range based on, just based on my kind of behavior on my search terms and, and, and so on. Um, so this is, and, and this is really kind of, I think, at the heart of, of these processes of, of how our data are kind of uh, appropriated. Um, and this is very, very kind of dis, sort of uh, disindividualizing. We're actually, as subjects, we are being at least symbolically destroyed uh, by, by those platforms because it doesn't matter uh, what we kind of, you know, actually in reality, we, we don't matter as individuals. What matters is our data or our data that can then be um, taken and um, um, sold to advertisers or um, can be analyzed, can be merged with other data uh, so that kind of new um, uh, conclusions uh, and so on can be drawn uh, uh, about us. And, and this is very, very, um, I th I th yeah, this I think is quite, quite threatening uh, because it also relates to this kind of, the, the, or it reveals a logic behind these processes that are kind of actually about, that, that, that logic that is about kind of um, those platforms know us better than we do. So, so, and I think this is also a kind of fundamental kind of worldview in these kind of tech, tech companies and these tech circles that actually technology is a, will be able to kind of know us better than we do. And we'll be able to kind of suggest things to us, you know, what we should buy next on Amazon or what we should, who we should maybe, uh, add as a friend now on Facebook or whatever, because uh, technology is more rational, is, is maybe more pragmatic, and is able to work with data and with you know huge data sets that we as humans are, are unable to, to work with, are unable to comprehend. Um, but I would say these processes are really, really kind of disindividualizing. They're very kind of um, threatening to to kind of us as as, as individuals. I think. Um, but they occur at the same time as these kind of, you know, what I've described as very individualizing, very um, valuable um, kind of practices. And, and I think this, um, this, 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 we can kind of make sense of that through uh, this idea of perversion. So I kind of argue in the book that what is going on here is if there is a fundamental perverse tendency at the heart of our kind of engagement, you know, with these, with these platforms is absolutely perverse how we are being seduced into a particular relationship. We are then being abused, but we are also being loved and we are, we are really being kind of cherished and idealized by these platforms at the same time. And we kind of know about these things. I mean, at least partly, you know, we're kind of very complicit in, in this relationship um, with a pervert, we, we, you know, the pervert being um, 
uh, a tech company or a social media platform. Right, we're entering into the contract with them. Like every time I say yeah. I agree, every yeah. time I yeah, go yeah. on the site, I'm like, okay. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Let's yeah, do it. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> mm. I saw that you spoke at something that seemed really interesting recently. The conference, like on pleasure. Yeah, yeah, right. I'm, I'm. That's so. That's sort of something I'm also starting to work on, or sort of been doing some work on recently, which is looking at um, this whole kind of these kind of communities online um, that are sort of about things like men's rights or, or kind of um, creating new masculine, masculine identities. Um, um, the incel kind of community is a particular one that, that I've been starting to kind of do some work on um, and how how they, I mean, I'm, I'm quite interested in kind of looking at how they, you know, um, portray femininity, what it, what it kind of, how they, they construct a very particular understanding of women in most cases and, and how they kind of feel um, really kind of threatened by women and, and by feminism in particular, where they're kind of saying, we've all been undermined by, by feminism. Men have lost all the power in society. And, and um, um, then they kind of retreat into these communities and, and uh, which are all about, you know, or at least a lot of them are about kind of very horrible narratives of, of essentially kind of uh, destroying destroying women. So I think that was a really, sh you know, shocking uh, uh, communities, but still it's important to, to try and sort of understand them and try and sort of see what, what is what is sort of at the heart of, of, of those sort of movements. And they, of course, they also, they, they relate to, to kind of real world politics and, and, and populism and, and so on. So that's sort of something I'm, I'm kind of, I've started doing some work on, yeah. And what got you interested into that? Um, I think I, I think I somehow, I, I, I can't remember, I think I somehow, a lot of these communities, they tend to be on Reddit, um, which of course is a sort of quite unique social media platform in itself. Um, and I somehow, I, I, I kind of found, I think, one of those communities uh, and then started reading, reading about it. And then actually, um, I didn't know that this was really a thing, but they, you know, they have, they have some of them have, have huge uh a huge number of registered users, and and um, uh, so, so so sort of that's that's how I how I uh, got interested in, in in them. Yeah, was it something? I recently edited a book called Rendering Unconscious, which is mm. what the podcast was based on, and mm. uh, it should be out in a few weeks. But um, okay. One of the papers, actually a couple of the papers in the book, kind of talk about this crossover between like what happens online and then how it enters mm. like the real world, if you want to call it that, mm. um, and mm. how like the laws can't really keep up with it, and like the idea of freedom of speech and having your right yeah. to speak freely online, and then how that yeah. translates, you know, to the street and protests and riots and that sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's really interesting. And you also you 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 recently you, you edited a book on um, 
synchronized environments. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's 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 so fascinating. Because I think I mean a lot of, I mean yeah, that's that's another point. I mean a lot of kind of social media conversations, and how people engage with each other online. They're so violent. You know, it's unbelievable. I think it's unbelievable how, um, often on, on symbolic levels, but how um. People don't seem to be able to engage with others uh, in, in a kind of more empathic way. But but it's it's all about, you know, that the other needs to be kind of symbolically destroyed online. And there is a kind of strange pleasure uh, in, in that. Mm, mm, yeah. yeah, exactly. Um, so I'm writing an article on that at the moment where I kind of engage with a number of scholars who sort of make this argument that, you know, yes, we are, we are in, a, in an age where um, non-human kind of um, uh, uh, entities will be able to think. And I then sort of say, hang on, hang on a minute, you know, we need to, we need to uh, sort of um, keep psychoanalysis uh, in mind here. And, and this would kind of add a different, a different kind of perspective I mean, another thing I'm also that also relates to that actually that I'm also interested in developing a bit further is I think you know now we're we've reached a point where um, psychoanalysis itself, you know, psychoanalytic theory itself as a more kind of clinical um, uh, uh, body of work needs to um, be kind of rephrased in relation to the digital. So I think, in a way, we need a digital psychoanalysis. So not as, not just a psychoanalysis of the digital, but actually um, psychoanalysis itself needs to kind of come to terms with this fundamental um, reach or, or, or influence that the digital has in, into our lives. And not just about when it comes to mental health issues, but it's, you know, it's, it's, not, it's fundamental to... To kind of sub- subjective subjectivation, or how we are becoming subjects uh, to those processes. So that's that's sort of something I'm I'm, I'm quite interested in, and I'm not sure how to how to develop that, um, but to kind of um, turn that into a, maybe more of a dialogue with some clinicians as well, because in a way you, you also have this. Often in clinical psychoanalysis, clinicians tend to be a bit anxious or a bit scared of new technology, and that's fine. But um, it's it's not you know we we need to we need to engage with 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 the, with those kind of different technologies, and and psychoanalysis itself needs to understand uh, those technologies. Yeah, and that was one of the things I was thinking about when I asked you about what you thought about the shift from it being kind of one-sided, like looking at the screen or the projection of the film or the TV, and then the shift mm. over to this kind of interface. Because I was thinking about, like, you mentioned the mirror stage, and I was thinking about when Lacan wrote that, like really early on before mm. television and that sort of thing, and then yeah. how his theories developed while we had that, and then he died in 1981, and how mm. things have mm. changed since then and how that might change the way people are thinking about things or psychoanalytic theory mm, or yeah, different yeah, yeah, diagnoses so. too, different ways of being or, or developing besides like neurosis. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, I mean, this is, I think there is in this debate, is there, 
is there such a thing? Is that you know, internet addiction? Is that a clinical? Is that is that, is that a thing or not? I I don't know. Uh, but but uh, those questions are really relevant. Um, yeah, yeah. Yeah, psychoanalysis needs to catch up a little bit. I think. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Even uh, yeah, because it's not it's not a hundred years ago when it developed. One hundred twenty years ago when it developed. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And I've been working, you know, since I moved from the U.S. to Sweden, uh, mm. I've been working with patients online, and it's been great. I was really nervous about it at first, how that would be, but mm. I had already had a few patients who, like, moved away or had a patient that was an actor, so they'd be traveling all the time for, like, theater productions okay. or that sort of thing, or had patients that moved from New York to the West Coast of the United States, so I was already working with them on the phone or okay. online. And now my whole practice is online. Um, well, and yeah. I think it's been great and it helps people. Like, I travel a lot because I lecture a lot and that sort of thing. So I'm actually able to see people even when I'm in a hotel room or something like that. Yeah. So it actually keeps yeah, yeah. their consistent, their treatment more consistent than it would be if we were in the same location um, and I was leaving yeah, yeah. all the time. Or if they're traveling or if they travel for work or something like that. Or if they live in a remote location where there's not a lot of analysts or psychologists yeah, or yeah. if they're homebound for some reason or they have a disability or a chronic illness. So yeah, it's really yeah, filled yeah. a lot of functions. Yeah. And, and what would you say to, you know, there are, um, there are psychoanalysts who would kind of really say this type of uh, psychoanalysis should never happen. You know, the, the, the psychoanalysis is about a physical... Um, uh, sort of contact in a, in, a, in a consulting room because that's when uh, or, or the because the unconscious is then kind of differently or the two kind of unconsciouses are differently angled and, and so on. You know, psychoanalysis can only exist in the physical in the physical encounter. What do you what do you think? Um, well, first, I, th I would say that the unconscious is much larger than people realize. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, that uh, I think there's definitely pros and cons. I mean, I've, and, mm -hmm. and I would encourage patients to talk about that. Like, I've se I see people that I mm -hmm. saw when I had an office. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there's, there's definitely something about, like, getting yourself from your home or your work and taking the train or driving to the office and being outside mm -hmm. the office and being in the waiting room and going into the office. You know, it's like a ritual of sorts. Um, mm. And I think there's definitely something to that, but I don't think that it can't be done without that. I think it's just like like anything. Like I also had a lot of people, like when I show art or I do a podcast or something like that, and so I have more mm. of a presence online than I did, you know, 10 years ago. And that was something mm. I had to work through too because as the analyst, you're told you have to be yeah, yeah, kind of invisible. Yeah. You can't really have a personality. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're just a screen. And so my yeah. supervisors say when I was in analytic training, If he knew I even had a Facebook page, he would be like, what are you doing? You know? <laughs> and like at first he would say, like, there's no way you shouldn't do that. You know, you can't be online, you can't be on Twitter, you can't do anything like that. You can't, they can't be able to search for you. And then I, then I yeah, had to yeah. finally mm -hmm. realize, like, yeah, but we live in a different time and it would, it's like odd to not be online. Like it would, I would have to like go out of my way to not be online and And then I say, like, you know, if the patients are looking, it's kind of like the primal scene. Like, 
what did you expect to find when you peeked into your parents' bedroom door? Like, you know, mm-hmm. if you saw something mm-hmm. you didn't mm-hmm. like, let's just talk about why you were looking, you know? Mm-hmm. Why were you mm-hmm. looking mm-hmm. me up? <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, so yeah, I think yeah, I think yeah. you can bring any of those things into the into the treatment. And as long as it's talked about and analyzed in the treatment and the patient works through why were they looking? Why were they Googling me? Yeah, then, yeah. then, you know, then it's fine. Yeah, 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 absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because yeah. that's the thing, too. I mean, we're all going to write books eventually. A lot of people write books that are in the yeah, field. Yeah. So they'll at least know, like, what you write about, and that shows some interest that you have, and they'll learn something about you in that way. Um mm-hmm. And, like, the, even they say, like, what's in your office? Patients look around. What kind yeah. of art do you have? What kind of books do you have? What kind of yeah. furniture yeah. do you have? I'll say some, says something about you. I do say mm. that I try not to be too chatty online. Like, I try not to mm. say too much about, mm. like, what's going on in my personal life or something like that. I keep it yeah. all, like, very, yeah. like, kind of professional. Like, here's some art. Here's yeah. a podcast. Here's yeah. a book. You know? So yeah. that I'm not, yeah. like, talking about, you know how I felt that day mm. if my patients mm. do Google mm. me. Mm. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, it was really fun talking to you. Yeah, thank you so much. Yeah, that was, that was great. Thanks, thanks for the opportunity. I really, uh, really enjoyed it. Thank you for listening to Rendering Unconscious. You've just heard a discussion with Jacob Johansson, Senior Lecturer in the Communication and Media Research Institute at the University of Westminster. His research interests include psychoanalysis and digital media, audience research, affect theories, digital labor, psychosocial studies, reality television, and critical theory. For more, please check out his book, Psychoanalysis and Digital Culture, Audiences, Social Media, and Big Data, recently published by Rutledge. that changes with it extent they succeed extremely searching minds English language was published in Folly of Vanity or Our Thought Patterns argue that thought we would be a few pictures embodiment United States of Anne is the product teaches that 
created in the garden, a choice, a union, principles, gender, where fiction ordinarily die across thee, pushed to we, through I are one, he or what, aims trembled to soul from beneath. Nikola Tesla with, with phenomenal, up with the data, spread their thoughts or ideas, explorations and the apocryphal brother, Keep Hour, gave a really, guards the, the accumulation of biological first, looking for new ones feverishly as fragmented of the paradox of things but you. It was the last tie as father, behold, as thee and after all that, nothing matters.